Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ride singing way, hey ho. But the years haven't withered my joy and my pride singing way, hey ho. I've never been much for the pistol or blade singing way, hey ho. For the sun is my course and the sky is my trade singing way, hey ho. My mother, she told me that life would be fine If you're free with the water, but savor the wine And to never be hurried, but always on time Singing way, hey, ho Singing way, hey, ho We see a, a shot along the big long table and the dishes are all like empty and there's plates everywhere and people are sitting around. There's music playing, but it's like a soft music now before it, before it was this like jolly, happy, like, like jig happening. But now it's kind of a softer music as the night has grown on. What do you guys do? Where do you go now that the night is, is coming to a close? I'm going home. Yeah, I think June doesn't bring it up, but it's implied that she's going to stay, obviously, because she lives in the attic. Cece helps June clean up afterward. Yeah, yeah. June tries really hard not to... She fights the impulse to clean up, but then Cece starts doing it with, like, a pointed look, and June's like, okay, fine. And so they start kind of helping clean up and organize things. Yeah. Kieran, we see we see a shot of you leaving. Um and we see June and Cece piling plates 2 feet high type thing moving moving around as you guys begin to clean and put stuff away. As you guys are doing that, June, your mother comes in and goes, "June." Yes. We have a word with you, please. Yes. I'll be right back, Cece. And she leads you into the kitchen mm-hmm. where your father is there. Uh, you haven't described your parents. Give me a very brief description of them. Uh, mom is uh, tall like I am, uh, but she's rounder and softer, uh, very motherly. Um, but she has a hard face because she's a, a woman of business. She runs this in. This is her business. Um, and she inherited it from her family, and it, she's very proud of it. Um, she's got like a, a Molly Weasley kind of vibe to her, except not flighty. I think she's much more grounded. Um, and Dad is uh, uh, kind of stocky and a little shorter than Mom, and uh, he's got the red hair that I have. 
um, and he uh, he's the cook of the of the inn and the food hall. So he's he's uh, he's always got something in his hands that he's either cleaning or mixing or whatever. So he's constantly working on. What's stuff. his name? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, is it Devin or? Yeah, let's say his name is Devin. Devin. You head into the kitchen. The door swings back and forth as you step on in. She steps in and she goes, Devin, out. And uh, your father's like, okay, all right. Uh, he like walks past you and like pats you on the shoulder as you get as you leave. Your mother wheels on you, looks you up and down. So, what are you going to say in your, your resignation? You're, you're not doing this. Obviously. What? You're you're obviously not doing this, Jim. Doing what, Mom? You are obviously not becoming an apprentice. What? I, with all due respect, Mom, that's not your call to make. I think it is my call. You are my daughter. I get to choose how things go for you, at least until you're an adult. You are not an adult. You are a girl. I get to decide what happens here. June is flummoxed for a second. She didn't expect this level of resistance, and she's fighting the urge to get really, really angry. So she's, like, squeezing her fists at her sides. Um, I take it by your silence that you agree. So I don't agree. Excuse me? I was chosen today out of everyone to have a shot at this. And it is not your decision whether I get it or not. It is their decision. And if they don't take me, then I will be here and I will work for the decorative cord. And I will do what I'm supposed to do. June. For the family. June. But if they choose me to go, I'm going to go. You don't understand what it is like out there. And I won't unless I go. You don't need to understand. You, I have been out there. Your father has been out there. We know. We can tell you. It is not for you. You could tell me, but you never have. You never have. I will tell you when you are older. I'm telling you now. This is what you get now. You will get more when you are older. Do you understand me? I don't. I don't think I ever have. Then you have a choice, June. If you walk out that door... To become this. Don't come back. June's jaw goes slack. You have repeatedly disobeyed me. You have repeatedly taken no interest in this business or this family. So, if this is what you want, then go get it. But know that you will not get any help from me. She struggles to find something to say. She looks like she wants to say a lot of things and doesn't know how to say them. Um, She looks down at her boots for a second. And you feel a soft hand on your shoulder. June, I'm being tough here because this is very important. You need to be safe and you are safe here. Out there, it is very, very dangerous. The oceans will kill you. There are people who will kill you. It is dangerous, June. Very dangerous. And I I know what's best for you. Please. Please. All I've done 
is disappoint you. Then don't disappoint me again. I don't think I know how. And she lifts her chin, and there are tears in her eyes, but they won't fall. And she takes a step back, shrugging the hand off of her shoulder. I wish I could say I'm sorry, but I don't think I am. And if I don't get chosen for this tomorrow, then I will find another way to make a living as a novice and on my own. If that's your choice. I didn't realize it was going to be like this, but this is what it is. And I understand that there are consequences. You can go now. And your mother goes back to work. And she stands there fuming for a second, her face super red. And she fights with the urge to say something gentle to her mother, but that's always what she does in situations like this. So she just shuts her mouth, she turns, and she walks out of the kitchen. And she goes and she grabs the the go bag. And, and the, the bag is made of canvas. It's got a leather bottom to it. Mm-hmm. So it's got a leather bottom. It's canvas, but it's with a drawstring, just mm-hmm. letting everybody know. She, In silence, she goes up to her room in the attic, puts a couple of things in there. like uh, what, what do you put in? I'm so curious. There's like a scarf. Um, there are some fingerless gloves that she has all the time with like leather palms on them. Clothes, like. um, yeah, just like clothes. Uh, there's a leather bound journal that she puts tell us in. about the journal very quickly. There is very a, quickly. There's a leather bound journal that she keeps under her pillow at night, and she doesn't carry it around with her a whole lot, but she reads it every day and every night. And uh, this book goes into her bag. Why is it important? There are sketches and uh, drawings, and there are uh, mysterious kind of poetic instructions in this book, which she stole from her mother's room. It was clearly a journal of her mother's from a time before her mother lived in Thornville, and she treasures this book specifically because there is a large section of the book that deals with birds. And You pack all of it up? Yeah. What do you do? Instead of taking the window this time, she walks in silence back downstairs, pretending not to look at everything in the decorative gourd as she goes, but she is quietly... you see her walk down the steps. Yeah, she's quietly taking note of everything. She gets back down into the food hall where Cece is and slings the bag over her shoulder with a meticulously neutral expression and goes, we should go. You want to talk about anything? No. All right, let's get out of here. And she leaves the decorative gourd with Cece. Where do you two go? Hmm. Go to my house if you want. Or we could chill outside. Whatever you need. I'll stay up all night. I don't care. Um, June, as they, they head out into the street and June kind of like looks around. And there's a moment where it looks like she might crumble because she doesn't know what to do now. Um, but then Cece says that super casually. And uh, June says, yeah, yeah, let's stay up all night. Yeah, it's totally. Let's go to the barn. Heck yeah, let's go to the barn. And then, see, and so, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. So they so they head up uh, towards the the bird stables. They're going to go sneak into the bird stables. Let's do it. Cece. Cece, so you're going to go with her? Yeah, totally. Why not? 
Cool, cool. Uh, do you stop by your house to like pack up stuff and? Yeah, I throw some stuff in a bag. I already, I never. These holsters never come off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I throw like you know some undies and like a toothbrush or whatever in the you know a fantasy toothbrush, whatever. Like you know <laughs> toiletries. I'm all about the toiletries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I write a note for my parents that's like staying up all night at Bird Stables. TTYL Hags Kit. You know, and that's it. I just I leave the note and like a little post it on the door and I head out. We catch a picture of the two of you walking out into the night, heading up the hill towards the home office and the stables. We're going to jump to you, Kieran. Dessert time. You guys are eating dessert. What is the dessert? I honestly think it's ice cream. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just smothered in chocolate syrup. Very nice. Very nice. And then there is hot cocoa on the side. (laughs) Very, very nice. So the two of you are sitting there having this meal. What does your mother look like? She, She's like Kieran in that she's small for her age. Um, she's a little bit shorter than most folks. <laughs> she, she's got the same freckles, the same coffee-colored skin, the same dark curly hair. Hers is, is long, and she always wears it up in a bun. And... She, she, I think compared to Kieran, especially when at home, kind of takes on a more comfortable approach to, to clothes. Honestly, like, she probably just refused to wear pants in a past life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she, she's wearing kind of a big shirt and, and loose fitting pants. And, um, they were obviously not made for her. They were made for someone maybe taller than her. And... Kieran is also in their PJs, uh, but they are they are well fitted PJs. They are smart looking PJs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what my mom looks like. You guys are sitting there. I think it's at a like a like a table at a window in your home. Yeah, and you guys have a very good view. I think you guys live close to that. You guys like live on close to the docks. Yeah, which is kind of on a cliffside, so you can look over and see most of the valley and you see all the lights in the valley. It's a very beautiful little picture. And you guys are laughing at a joke that that you guys kind of share together. Mm-hmm. And uh, your mother looks at you and goes, oh, oh, I I have I have a present for you. Okay. Okay. I was going to give this to you when you were older and she like gets up and walks across the room. But since you're leaving... I thought that it would be a good time for you to have this. Kieran starts vibrating. <laughs> she goes to um, a cabinet. She opens it. And she reaches in the back and she pulls out something. It's wrapped in a cloth. And she comes over and she puts it down on the table. And she's like, unwrap it. Go ahead. Oh, my God. They tear into it. They are so excited to open this thing. They open it. It is. It looks like a knife. Um, It's in a scabbard that is wood and leather. The handle on it seems to be wrapped in, like, fisher line and Uh and hemp and rope. It's got a very nautical feel to it. Nice. And as you pull it out, it is the head of a harpoon that can be used as a knife. There is no shaft to it, obviously, but you can find a shaft and make a harpoon. The steel on it is dark. Does Kira know what that means? Uh, I think so. I think it's something that's drilled into all 
Jiltar and children's heads like this is their steel. This is this is that steel. Oh it, man. I've had this for a very long time and I wanted to give it to you when you were older obviously, but now's the time. It was your father's and uh I always felt bad for taking it. But it's yours now. I just ask that you use it well. I think Kieran looks at it for a very long time and looks at their mother for a very long time and will sheath it and set it down very carefully and go hug her really tight. And she hugs you back and she goes, I love you, little monkey. I love you too, Mama. And I'm going to miss you so much. I'm going to miss you too. I'm a little scared. It's okay. Just remember... Fear is the precursor to adventure. I think that's something Kieran's dad used to say. It sparks in your mind that that was something your father used to say to you. Their eyes are definitely shining. Yeah. They're they're on they're about to cry, but not quite there yet. And, and the two of you have this tender moment. Continue. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, no worries. I think uh they put on a brave face and kind of straighten up, um, square their shoulders and nod. And I think this is something that Kieran observed their father doing after saying that phrase. Mm-hmm. And they take the knife very carefully and are going to kind of, I think, going to start packing with their mother's help. What do you guys pack? Gosh, all of the stuff that I had on my bed this morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the rune stones, the belt, the walnut the, with mysterious the, liquids inside of it, the walnut with mysterious liquids in it, <laughs> your your sketchbook and the bone whistle. Yes. Okay. And then clothes, mm-hmm. uh, practical things. I think Kieran's main concern was those artifacts, and of course the knife now. But I think Mom was in charge of <laughs> making sure I had like clothes and. Yeah. Maybe a bar of soap. Just like a small comfort here and there. Very nice. And I think we watch the two of you pack. And as we pull back from that, we go outside the window into the cold night air. And we still see the warmth of the two of you packing and talking at the cusp of this great adventure. And we move through the sky across the town to a barn. A cold barn, where June and Cece sit. Where do you sit in the barn? I think uh, we are in, like, one of the aisles with our backs up against a wall. Not a stall, not a stable door, but, like, just a wall where we can, like, hear the birds moving and rustling at at night. And we can, you know, the smell of the sand and the, the wood and the iron paneling. Um, it's just a, it's a soothing atmosphere for June. Um, and it's a, it's kind of like a sneaky hideout type situation where they're like sitting in a, in a, in like a little alcove, just like Perfect. being chill. Cece, what are you guys doing? I think Cece sits uh, against the wall, not really saying anything. I think she heard a lot of the conversation that happened at. Yeah, you definitely yeah, heard it. Yeah. And I kind of just chilling, um, you know, waiting for June to say something and just kind of enjoying the silence. And just, like, being there. You know, she just wants to be there, and, you know, she knows that I know, and so I'm not going to mention anything. You know, she didn't seem to want to talk about anything. So we're just hanging. 
I think at some point, June, who is fiddling with the blue feather that is the ticket for tomorrow, says quietly, we might not even go. Who? Us. <laughs> how? How How in the world could we not go? I mean, they might not pick us. Art's been, been called twice and he hasn't gone. Well, we're not Art. We're talented. We're amazing. Not that Art isn't, but we're special. Are you kidding me? Us? We're fantastic. We aced that exam. I don't know. Did we? Yes. Well, I know I did, and I sure as heck know that you did, you toot. Are you kidding me? You whooped that kid with that stick, and you did it with a lot of gusto. You did it with a lot of honor. Yellow coat person certainly thought you did really well. I'm not going to have you sitting around here thinking that you did bad. Absolutely not. No, ma'am. I, I, I guess I didn't do bad. I just... We, there's, we don't know what they're going to look for. We don't know what the answers are or what they want. No, or, of course we, we don't. Just, there's a chance that we could not go. And if we if we don't go, if I don't go, I can't go home. Well, if you don't go, then I'm not going either. That is so stupid, Well, Cece. I know it's stupid, but so what? How you're talking stupid, because I know you're going, because you know what? I know I'm going. Whether I go with this courier service or not, I'm going somewhere. And you can come if you want, but I'm going. So I'm not going to have this whole, oh, am I staying and am I not? Am I doing it? No, if you want to get out, you're getting out. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm the boss here, and I'm not going to have talk like that. Not on my watch. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. Because if they don't take you... You're going to find a way out anyway. Yeah. This is the fastest yeah. way out of here is that skyship. Yeah. And if you want to see birds okay. and fly and all that stuff, we'll figure out a way. Doesn't have to be through the courier service. Doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be anything. All we got to do is make it work. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We will. Yeah. I feel like we can, we can do that. We can do anything <laughs> now. Yes. Cece stands up and she starts trying to rip pull-ups on like a beam. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I mean, we're unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, we're the working kids in the town. <laughs> I mean, if you could work yeah. those 10-hour shifts at the gourd and I could work at this candle shop, there's nothing in this world that we can't do. Yeah, and you know what? Like, you're right. The courier service isn't the only thing that we could do. I mean, we could get out of here. We could go... We could go sign up and be Skyjacks for some ship. Yeah. we Like, easy. Yes. Are you kidding? Kids like us, they'd be crazy not to take us. Yeah, because we've been training and we know how to do things that yeah. that regular orphans don't know how to do. Uh, like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. You're so we right. We could definitely, like, get a job. Yes. And I just, I keep, every time that uh, uh, June is saying something, I keep giving her a high five. Like over and yeah, over. Yeah, there's like just like a ton of high fives yeah. happening, and June is just nodding emphatically and high fiving. Yeah, out. yeah. What'd you guys? What'd you guys say earlier? Feel the fire. Yeah, you gotta feel that fire. Yeah, yeah. You keep CC keeps saying, "You feel that? That's energy. That is energy. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about." See, now you're getting it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You? You're like the toughest. Look how strong you are. I'm not strong. I'm just cool. You? 
You could beat up anybody. Are you kidding me? Do I feel the fire? You like our fire. You live fire. You breathe fire. You eat fire. Get you some. And I just keep high-fiving even faster and harder. (laughs) June's laughing at this point. I mean, I think you're right. And we should definitely take Kieran with us. If if we have to go it alone, we got to take Kieran. Oh, no doubt. Need, Kieran is so smart. I need some brains on this operation. Lord knows we don't Very have it. Smart. <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah, totally. We go as three or we don't go at all. Yeah. I, yeah. As she says that, as she says, we go as three or we don't go at all. Yeah. It pans back. And we we pan back through the barn and we see all the birds. And we see some of the birds are like poked out, like looking at you yeah, guys. Yeah, because we're making noise. Some of these giant birds, their heads are out, like looking at you, like curiously. And as that happens, June, you hear whispers. It's not, it's there and then it's gone. But you hear something. She stops high-fiving Cecilia. And she listens. And then... It goes away, and she smiles again, and high five CC. That's right. Let's do this. Yeah, let's get it. We pull back out of the barn and into the sky. And before we know it, we smash cut today. It is dawn. We are in the sky as we fly over the docks. We see the four Audrin ships, their envelopes full, ready to go. It's almost like they're lifting off of the of the moorings that they've put themselves. I imagine that there's like, like a like a netting that they rest themselves in when they land. Um, they're like ready to go, ready to head on out. The dock is this wood, like uh, this wood dock that li- that lines the cliffside with these piers that run out over the open open cliff. It's full of people at this more at this early early morning. There is a ringing of a bell. And we hear this bell echo as people are everywhere. We see the three of you lined up with the rest of the hopefuls. And everyone is standing there waiting for roll call to be called. Waiting to find out if you guys made it. Coriander Swiftwell steps forward. As I said before, he's older, walks with a cane, and he stands up in front of everybody, his back to the ships, his face forward. Well, I know I'm supposed to have a speech about now, and uh, usually it'd be extemporaneous, and I would say whatever came to my mind, but patience has gratefully, thanks to everyone and many other people, and people kind of snicker, <laughs> asked that I write my remarks this year. Last time I uh, seemed to have a st- you know that reminds me of a story where um, and they're like no no someone groans no, no. oh. I'm terribly sorry he goes and he reaches into his pocket into his waistcoat and he pulls out some spectacles and he puts them on he pulls out a sheet of paper welcome welcome to both new and old to our postmaster captains and their crews to the new hopefuls and their families to the postmaster general and her staff. Patience and I are delighted to have you here safe and sound. Another year has come and gone, and thus we have another chance for us to meet, reminisce, and tell our tales. I'm glad I'm still here to tell my stories, if it be a bit slower, and perhaps with a few more interesting details. 
But, be that as it may, I am proud of my story. I always say that it began here, in Thornvale, and while I was not a native of these mountains, still they took me in, gave me a home and a family. It is only fitting that I give back to what was so graciously given, and thus comes you, my couriers. You are the fulfillment of that promise to give back. We send you into the world to provide a necessary service. You connect people with word and gift, with parcel and package. It is you who bring word from the lover to their beloved. The good news of a new bounty, the joys of a reunion, and even the sadness of a passing or a tragedy. These unforgettable milestones of life pass through your fingertips to all those of this world. All necessary, all given by you. In a year's time, we will meet again, and who knows what will have transpired. It may be vastly different, or it may be exactly the same, but whatever may come, know that my love for you and the work you do remains the same. Be strong, work hard, live your life with no regrets, and you will find joy and fulfillment. Go now. Show the world what we, the Swift Well Courier Service, are made of. Be swift, be accurate, and most of all, be kind. Patience, do you wish to say anything? My remarks will be short. We are so proud of all of you. We have no doubt that you will continue to do your best. Remember, though we may be a business, our business is not to make money. Never lose sight of why you work so hard. To provide a service to those who do not have it. To those who seek apprenticeship, today may mark the first day, but it is only the first day. Keep your eyes open. Learn. Listen. You will make it. To the veterans of these roots, these new charges are your responsibility now. Be firm, but patient. They will learn on their time, not yours. Now be safe. Be well, work hard, and most of all, take flight. And the crowd yells, take, take flight. flight. The bell rings again, and there is a roll call. And for the first little bit, it's mostly a shuffling of the audrons. Uh, the standard roll call that goes through... People are called out, they are called out, names are called out, and what Audrin they will be a part of. Most of these are people that are already wearing the jackets. They're already wearing the jackets, and they're already wearing the Audrin caps of their particular Audrin. Although, you guys do notice that there are a couple people that are wearing different colored coats, and when that happens, the two people that are exchanging take off the coat and hand it to each other, and take off the hat and hand it to each other. And they switch. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. I hope you're enjoying the show because this will be the final episode of Courier's Call on the campaign feed. Because we're giving Courier's Call its own home on its own dedicated feed. That way you'll be able to share it with your family without worrying they'll stray into more mature territory. 
We've got three other episodes of Courier's Call coming your way, but I'm not sure when they're going to premiere just yet. We're looking to couple those episodes alongside a crowdfunding campaign so that we can produce a full season of Courier's Call. So be sure to watch at CampaignPod and at Courier Call on Twitter and our mailing list for more updates so you can hear the continued story of June, Kieran, and Cece. I want to give a huge thanks and congratulations to Drew, Ali, Palomi, and Aaron for Courier's Call. This series was a delight for me to listen to, and I hope you all enjoyed it just as much as I did. I'm excited to bring you the next arc of our primary campaign, and I'm just as excited to see more of the world of Sphere at the same time. Speaking of the next arc for Skyjacks, that's going to start up next week. Sort of, because we have to do our Skyjacks version of a bottle episode. You've already seen one of these in the series so far. Our bottle episodes take place on the ship, in between locations. It doesn't follow the same wacky structure we did on Star Wars Campaign, but it provides our characters and their players to get much-needed emotional debriefing after these long arcs. I really enjoyed what we put together, and I hope you do too. We're also going to feature the audio from our Gen Con live show on this feed, which will give you important background information for both Gable and Travis. After that, we'll launch right into the next arc. Before I let you enjoy the end of the first run of Courier's Call, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Callie, thank you so much. Alexis Allen, thank you. Ol' Smellborp, thank you very much. Joseph Beeb, thank you. Benjamin Wagner, thank you very much. Peter Klasinski, thank you so much. Lee, Lemuel Lee, thank you very much. Adam Pickens, thank you. Jamie Knight, thank you very much. Ashton, thank you so much. JB, thank you. And Patrick M, thank you so much for your support. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We couldn't produce shows like this without your help. After I heard the pilot for Courier's Call, I wanted to produce it immediately. But the network still doesn't really have funds to do that. Because we love the concept and the characters and the performers, we're going to try. But right now, trying means we have to run a separate crowdfunding campaign. If everyone who listened to our shows gave at the $5 a month level, we'd be able to greenlight projects like this in a second and pay the performers much better than what they're getting right now. That's a dream I have for one shot, but it's only possible if we keep getting support from people who enjoy our programs. So if you like Courier's Call, if you like Campaign Skyjacks, or any of the other programs on our network, please consider heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up to support us. You'll hear the difference right here in one-shot programs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. The two people that are exchanging take off the coat and hand it to each other and take off the hat and hand it to each other and they switch. There's a couple of switches, but you guys, I feel, are too nervous sitting there waiting for your names to be called. And eventually it comes to you. 
Fathina Vranti is out there. She's the one making all the roll calls. And she looks out and goes, All right, it's time for our hopefuls. Bootstrap. And we see the boy from yesterday step forward. Yellow Otrin. And there's a, there's a smattering of applause and a, and a cheer. Otis Rathfin. Black Audrin. And then there's a cheer as that happens as well. And the two of them head on off to a different place. <sighs> Cecilia Whitwick. Red Audrin. <gasps> and there's a, a clap as that happens. What do you do, Cecilia? I stand really still for a moment. And it sinks in. And I just start walking toward wherever I gotta go, I guess. Okay, you see Captain Silas Dennison is standing at the gangplank with the rest of the Audrin. Uh, he steps up, as you step on up, he holds his hand up and goes, I'd like your blue feather, please. I hand him the blue feather, and I say, proud to be a part of the team. Welcome the Red Audrin. And he, like, puts it in, in his coat. Kiernan Rao, she looks at the paper and goes, Red Audrin. <gasps> yeah! Uh, as that happens, the one thing you do, do, what do you do? What do you do, Karen? Uh, Karen looks very confused. And I think Cecilia has probably had, like, just had this interaction with the captain. And Kieran is reminded who the captain of the Red Audrin is, and <laughs> again wishes the ground would swallow them up. <laughs> there is a um, uh, a long pause as finally Captain Dennison goes, Fine then, get over here, come on. <laughs> so Kieran hops too. As you walk across, Kieran, your eyes scan across the rest of the Audrins, and it lands on... Wiltham Knot of the Grey Audrin. Mm-hmm. And they look a little upset. And their their eyes are hard and they're kind of shaking their head. And their arms are crossed. I have concerns, questions, and comments. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Karen um, will share none of them. <laughs> We see there's a, a, a brief moment as that's happening. Um, June, you're standing there waiting with Bertina. Mm-hmm. And you notice that uh, when you first got here today, you noticed that they were loading things onto the yeah. – they were loading different, uh, different things onto the ship, cargo, foodstuffs. but right, also the ships leave right after this, right? The ships leave right after this, but also birds – all of these Audrin ships can hold 10 birds. Ooh. 10 birds each for each one. So 40 birds total. Woof. And you see that those birds are being like loaded in the background. Okay. Um, you noticed that one particular bird, <gasps> one particular bird that you are very, you are very knowledgeable of, you know about and have, have a keen eye on, was put onto the red Audrin. Ah. <sighs> You notice that, and as your your eyes are on where that bird went and on your friends, there is a 
June Hymnal. Yellow Audrin. <gasps> what? June doesn't move because she, like, her blood is pounding in her ears and she feels like she misheard. So she stops and she kind of looks at, is it Fathina who's reading them? Fathina's reading them. She looks at Fathina. Fathina looks at you and goes, Yellow Audrin. And she, June, looks at the the Red Audrin ship with the bird and then looks at her friends and, like, freezes. Uh, Captain, Captain Allegria's like, come on, come on, you heard right, come on. She, <laughs> she is totally, like, her mouth is open and her jaw is working and she's looking at Cece and Kieran like, what do I do? Like, what do you do? She starts to move towards uh, the yellow Audrin uh, captain, uh, and then stops and turns around and and looks and goes back over to Fithina Ronti and says respectfully, Postmaster General, I feel that there's been a mistake. Everyone kind of murmurs a little bit, and Fithina like holds her hands up, and people quiet down, and she leans down and goes. What do you mean? She's June has the blue feather like clutched in her fist and she's shaking a little bit. Uh, and she looks up at, at the very tall. Uh, Even leaning down towards yeah, you, she's so very tall. big. Uh, the postmaster general. And she says, I don't know how to say this or if it makes any sense at all. But I don't think this is right. I think I'm supposed to go to the Red Audrin. Okay. Um, you do know that we spend a lot of time considering where our apprentices would go best? Yes. We spend a lot of time and effort figuring that out? Yes. You were specifically asked by Captain Alegria. She is very interested in teaching you and learning. There are... Is there a particular reason why? June... All of the ideas jump to June's mind at once and her words get caught and she kind of chokes on them for a second and looks up at the Postmaster General pleadingly um, and says, I have a very specific feeling about it. I, I'm doing this for the birds. And I think that my flock is there. The thinner reaches down and puts a hand on your shoulder. A giant hand. This giant hand that descends on your shoulder. And you feel warmth. She pulls her hand back. I'll need to speak to the captains for a moment. Will you stand here? Do nuts. If Athena stands up and walks over to the captains, what do you do? June stares at the blue feather in her hand for a second, thinking that she has totally screwed all of this over. And Do either of you do anything? I walk over to the red captain, and I reach for my feather. And I say, yellow or red, it doesn't matter to me. But we're going as three, or we don't go at all. He, he, hold, he steps back, and he looks at you and goes, just give me a moment, will you? And he walks over... Do? 
Um, Fathina, Alegria, and Silas all meet together in the middle of the dock, and they have a small interaction. Nobody can hear it, but it's a tense moment. The crowd murmurs behind you, and you can feel the wind pass through on this beautiful, cold autumn morning. June glances at the crowd. Is her family there? Yes, they are. Mom, too? Mom, too. They're all there watching you. Your younger, your youngest brother, well, the, the brother who is the youngest of mm-hmm. the two, he looks at you, he gives a wave, and he gives you a thumbs up. Yeah, June sees him and gives a tiny nod, looks at mom, no expression change, and then looks forward again to where the postmaster general is. Fathina stands up from this huddle and goes, an agreement has been made. June, Red Audrin. Thank you, Postmaster General. And you notice as you walk by that uh, Dennison puts his hand out for your feather mm-hmm. as you walk past him. She gives him the blue feather. He takes it. He passes it to Alegria. Oh. And gives that to her. And he goes, whenever you like. What? And at that point, Wiltham storms across and, like, takes Kieran's feather out of his jacket and goes, whenever I like as well. And the two of them turn around and walk away, and Silas walks back with you Uh, to the ship. What does this mean? Wait, what? Huh? (laughs) The three of you are brought together. I think June reaches out and grabs Kieran and Cece's hands. You hear a, wait, what about me? And you look back and you oh, see no. and you oh, see no. Bertina standing there. She's in like a really nice dress. Oh no. Well, guess you're beat. And <laughs> and uh Fathina walks over to her and goes, Better luck next year. Cece, <laughs> <laughs> be nice. Cece, shut up. I'm sorry. Cece. <laughs> And you see Bertina just crumple. She I don't crumples. Mean to be mean. <laughs> and you notice that Ard goes over and kneels down to talk to her. Oh, man. As Coriander comes forward and goes, Well, that was terribly exciting, wasn't it? Uh, now, Cruz, please get aboard. And all of you are, you feel yourself pushed in this push of crowd where you see the rest of your Audrin. Bran Hoggart is one of them. Yeah, he is. And you see a couple of other faces on that on that ship, which we'll figure out who they are later. But they all push you onto the boat, and you cross the gangplank. As you're going, Cece, you hear a, wait, wait, Cece, wait! And you turn around to see your mother running across Aww. the dock to you. He goes... Cece, Cece, you didn't even say goodbye. Like she, she runs over, over to you. I'm sorry, Ma. I just figured you'd be mad at me. Figured this was easier. I'm not. I'm not mad that you're going, Cece. I'm. I'm just gonna miss you. Oh, jeez, Ma. I'm gonna miss you too. And she gives you a big hug and a kiss right there in front of everyone. And. She reaches into, like, her pocket, and she pulls out a something that's wrapped. It's a cylinder. It's wrapped in brown paper. 
and she goes, Grandmama always said to take one of these on any journey. None of us Whitwicks have been on a journey in a long time, so I thought it would be good for you to have one. Aww. Cool. <laughs> she hands it to you, <laughs> and you take it in your hands, and it's just a, a cylinder. It's a, a paper cylinder. If you want to open it now, you can. If you want to open it later, you can. Yeah, let's, let's pop this thing. You open it. It is a candle. <gasps> but it is unlike any of the candles you've seen before. It's very old. Um, the the wax on it, has, it feels old. And it has a silver cap on the bottom of it that's etched in very strange designs. Um, designs that remind you of that map. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. All right, all right, get aboard the ship, get aboard the ship. And like that, you're pushed CC up onto the boat. Bye, Mom. I'll talk to you later. I'll be back, I promise. I'll bring you cool stuff. Kieran, you look back and you see your mother. She's standing a couple of levels up on the dock. She's not right there on the on the dock level. She's a couple up, so she can I watch you. I wave furiously at her. She Just... waves furiously back. She she takes off. She has a scarf. Is it in her hair or is it like on her? I think it's uh, around her neck. Around her. She takes it off and she waves it into the air at you. Aww. You all get aboard the Audrin ship. And as you stand on the railing, you hear Coriander say, Postmaster General, the benediction if you please. And Fathina steps forward. And what she does is she reaches into her pocket and pulls out what looks like a makeup compact, like a, a little tin of makeup. And she takes it off. And you see there are, as you guys are standing, I imagine the three of you are pushed up against the railing. Yeah, so we can see. So you can see as you look out. And you see that all the Audrins that have all like pushed up to their railings to watch, and everyone is there. And she opens up the tin, and she wipes her thumb, her forefinger, and her pinky finger in this. And you can see, even from where you are, it's this blue pigment of like makeup, possibly. By the stars and moons and suns. By the bounty of the cosmos, by the abundant potential of our personal eternities, we call upon such forces that see fit to look upon us in this moment. Gaze favorably upon these brave souls who risk their lives upon the streams and eddies of our skies to serve the people of our world. Upon all who fly under our banner, we ask for these blessings. As Fathina raises her hand with the pigmentation on her fingers, you look around and you see... At the rails of the Audrin ships, everyone is watching and mimicking her as she goes through these motions. Fathina places her thumb in the middle of her forehead and swipes downward to the tip of her nose and says, For purity of thought towards all with whom you meet. With a finger beneath each eye, she swipes and says, For clarity of sight in the performance of your duties. She places her little finger with the pigmentation at her lips, placing the color, and says, For the speaking of truth, not only to those around you, but also to yourselves. And finally, with her thumb again, she pulls a line from the base of her jaw across her neck and says, For the hope of prosperity and bounty on this journey and all journeys to come. May the stars watch you, my couriers. May the winds carry you, 
and your crewmates shield you. Remember, do mercies, right wrongs, and take flight. And the crowd answers, take flight. And also remember to deliver the mail. Coriander guys. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, your adventure begins. Heck yeah. That's it. Oh boy. Dang. Dang. It's awesome. So wait, clarifying. Sure. The other two captains were telling us to join them whenever we felt like it. Uh, I think whenever they feel like they like they take us or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Cece has such balls. <laughs> Yay. I don't care what ship I'm on. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Karen's like, guys, I don't know if I should be on this ship. Woof, <laughs> guys. Woof. I've bargained with madmen who claim to be kings Singing way, hey-ho And I've seen the destruction their tempers can bring Singing way, hey-ho I've ridden the winds over mountain and plain Singing way, hey-ho Just to circle the coast and curse the mariner's name Singing way, hey-ho My father, he told me to never deceive a voice to the hopeless and help those in need And to ever be thankful for what you've received Singing way, hey-ho Singing way, hey-ho Skyjack's Courier's Call is a one-shot network production. Your game master was Drew Merzieski, who can be found on Twitter at Worlds to Forge. June Hemnell was played by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become. Kieran Rao was played by Palomi Pertap, who can be found on Twitter at Palomi SP. That's P-A-U-L-O-M-I-S-P. Cecilia Whitwick was played by Aaron Catano Saez, who can be found on Twitter at Aaron Catano Saez. That's A-A-R-O-N-C-A-T-A-N-O-S-A-E-Z. You can also find Aaron on his other podcast, All My Fantasy Children. This episode was edited by Casey Tony. You can listen to Casey on his own podcast, Neo Scum, which is extremely not kids-friendly, and hear his editing work on Campaign Skyjacks Prime, which is also not really kids-friendly. Uh, but good for 14 and up, I'd say, Probably. The original soundtrack for this program was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott, who can be found on Twitter at Arnie Parrott, A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. The character art for Campaign Courier's Call was created by Jess Kuczynski, who could be found on Twitter at AngryArtist113. If you're looking for more updates about Courier's Call and want to follow it when it gets its own feed, be sure to follow it on Twitter at CourierCall. Remember... There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. 
Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.